Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Last question, is he now considering mandating vaccinations to fly domestically? We are always looking at more we can do to protect and save lives. Uh, obviously, he made a significant and bold uh, announcement yesterday, so I have anything to preview, predict or preview for you, but we'll continue to look for ways to save more lives. So that's got to be a yes, right? That we will get to the place where you need to have a vaccine to get on an airplane. And me, I already bought my tickets for Florida in December. Ah! Because it won't just be you. What about your kids? What about your over age 12 kids? What if they're not vaccinated? They're going to be allowed to get on the plane? What's going to be the rule there? The conversation here is one of force. And as we've been discussing, the people who refuse to admit it, I, I, I brought this up earlier. I put out on Twitter, few things are more frightening than seeing the amount of Americans so joyfully embracing the word comply. It's it's hard to believe that this is America. And as I got into, there are things that are worse than death, people. You understand that, right? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio, Parlor, Instagram, Twitter, Tony Katz, everything at TonyKatz.com. There are things worse than death. And for the people who don't understand that, the only answer is North Korea. If they can't figure it out from there, well, they're just going to need to take their time. You have to just accept the fact that they are not prepared to look at life as it is. The, the fundamental difference, I'm not the one who came up with this. I, I want to say it was former Congressman Thaddeus McCotter, where the first place um, I, 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 I heard this. The, the conservative takes a look at the world the way it is and then acts accordingly. The, the, the progressive takes a look at the world the way they want it to be and tries to bend everyone's worldview to that. That's, that's the difference. And I like to look at the world the way it is. And the world the way it is, it's clear that there are things worse than death. North Korea proves that. And I'm not uh, so much interested in having a fight with people who want to tell me that you're going to force people to get vaccinated for their safety and then lie about the for your safety. And we've been talking about this, but that's actually not what I wanted to get into. I wanted to get into this conversation about Brian Stelter. I know what you're saying. Why? Oh, why? Oh, dear, sweet Lord. Why would I ever want to get into the conversation about this CNN freak show? Well, allow me, because something happened over the weekend that um, that's problematic. This regarding September 11th. We saw Biden was out there with President Obama and President Clinton, and he was screaming and yelling at people. He's taking his mask down. It was, it was, it was a bit of a freak show. It was a bit of a freak show. And then, of course, people are like, oh, no one cares about Donald Trump. Oh, he's not even here. He doesn't care about these people. Trump was with firefighters. Trump was with police officers. 
So uh, the, the, the nonstop Trump fetish continues. But this is a different fetish. This fetish is the fetish of profession. The fetish of profession is what happens in, with, with Brian Stelter, with, with Jim Acosta, and a series of people in the world of Trump where they decided that their job was only to perpetuate the idea that their profession is the most valuable. I'm not here to say that journalists are invaluable. I think journalists are valuable. Incredibly valuable. What is not valuable is journalists who don't actually engage in journalism and then demand you treat them as journalists. Here is an example of non-journalism. Now true, it's a tweet. He's quoting a piece that's in the AP. Follow me. There's a story from the Associated Press from September 7th, so this is before September 11th, right? But it's this year, just saying on the TV, 9-11 was the last huge story for big three network anchors. That's an interesting way to look at it. It could be an argument of, you know, with the advent of social media and everything on your phone, that, that's where you're going to look at things now. You're not necessarily saying turn on your TV. And a lot of people said turn on your TV because you had to see it to believe it. So that's an interesting, you know, view. It's Tom Brokaw. It was Peter Jennings at the time, uh, the late Peter Jennings uh, from uh, from ABC, and Dan Rather, the guy who would go on to humiliate himself in lying about George Bush's uh, uh, Air National Guard record. But an interesting thing. Brian Stelter tweets this out. And says network TV anchors were, and he quotes from the article, the closest thing that America had to national leaders on 9-11. They were the moral authority for the country on that first day, unquote, especially with political leaders in bunkers or otherwise out of sight. That is not true. Now, maybe you didn't live through 9-11. I did. I was in Washington, D.C., to the extent that I didn't live through it like anybody who was in the World Trade Center or at the Pentagon or in Shanksville, Pennsylvania, absolutely true. To the extent that I was in a city that was under attack, absolutely true. To the extent that the people of Flight 93 for crashing that plane in Shanksville saved my life, without question true. When we watched what was going on, I never once turned to my wife, who, by the way, I, I had left for work that morning, and she was a teacher at, at the time. We couldn't get in touch with each other on September 11th. We had no way of contacting each other. You could try a cell phone. Nothing worked. There, there were no circuits. All circuits are busy. It was nothing but all circuits are busy. So until she walked in the door some hours later, I didn't see her. I didn't know if she was okay. And she worked at a school where kids' parents worked at the Pentagon. It was, it was D.C. It was a very standard thing, working in government and around government. So you had kids not able to get in touch with their parents, parents coming back to pick up their kids, driving through that traffic. It took hours. Imagine the scene. Never mind, you don't know where your spouse is. You don't know where your kids are. Your kids don't know where you are if you're alive, etc.
maddening, spanning things. But when my wife and I were watching what was going on, never once did we say, thank goodness Tom Brokaw is here to make it better. That never, ever, ever, ever happened. I cannot tell you what it was like for people in the days of Walter Cronkite. I cannot tell you the amount of people who watched Cronkite and he quite literally could move a nation. This war is lost. That man lost Vietnam. People who serve in the military will tell you that things were actually in a place for victory and we allowed defeat to take place. If you go back and engage some of those uh, people regarding history, and I'm sure there could be debate on it, but nothing set the American focus like this war is lost. Now, when we watched what was happening via September 11, though, and certainly I never got that feel from anybody. I don't even remember where I was watching. I think I was watching a more local cast. Maybe they were tied into a national. But the idea that somehow they were the moral authority of the country, nobody felt that. Wait a second. I can't say nobody. I'll speak for myself. No, I think I'll speak for a lot of people. Nobody felt that. Because to feel that about the news is to not understand what the news is there for. The news is not the moral authority. It should be the last thing in the world they're trying to do is be the moral authority. That's not journalism. Producer Ari majored in in journalism. And he gets absolutely outraged. And I, look, producer Ari and I disagree about a fair amount of things. We agree about a fair amount of things. We talk about almost everything. But there's nothing that more outrages millennial producer Ari, journalism major, than when journalists or anybody in a host position tries to make themselves the story. Oh, with a passion. I hate it. With the passion of a thousand burning hot suns. It drives him crazy. Like if, if, if somebody, like a newscaster, will get a note from a fan, hey, why are you so fat? And the newscaster then says, I got this letter of someone calling me fat. Let me tell you why that's rude. He hates those people. He hates those people. With a passion. If I were to ask producer Ari, is the, is the TV anchor the moral authority of the country? I've never asked him this before. He didn't know I was going to bring this up. I only make the assumption he'd say, what are you talking about? Producer Ari, is the network TV anchor the moral authority of the country? He is not. Well, by the way, the correct answer is they is not because it could be a she and you are a bigot. But the bigger story is that of course they're not. All rational people know this. The anchor is there to move the story. Now, I will agree that an anchor through their tone and through their tenor could create fear, and you want to avoid that, but that's true on every subject. When we do breaking news here, people who have been a part of, of, of this show know that I do change tone. I bring it straight. I bring it direct. I bring it focused. I remind people we don't have the facts here. We don't have the facts there. Here's just what we have as the data and we're reporting it. It's extremely important 
not to allow your personal feelings to 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 infect something that's breaking. When I do commentary, my personal feelings are very much a part of the story. That's what the commentary is. Commentary is your personal feelings. No one thought this on September 11th. It was a time for getting information to America. And that's what they did. Now, if I were to go back and watch everything that Peter Jennings or Dan Rather or Tom Brokaw did at that time, would I find bias in it? I don't know. Maybe it's certainly possible that I could find bias in it. It's possible that it's there. But nobody was looking to them for that. They wanted to know what was happening, how it happened, where everybody was. The idea that our political leaders were out of sight. The president was in Florida, he flew to Louisiana, he flew to Nebraska, he flew back home. You know why? Because that's what he was supposed to do. It wasn't that he was out of sight. By the way, they didn't want him to go back to D.C. He demanded it. He said, get me back in the White House. That, one of the, one of the unsung stories is the system in which they kept the president safe when they didn't know what was happening and how that moved in the secrecy they were able to move, in the silence that they were able to move, is a stunning story. But understand why Brian Stelter puts this out. It's because he wants to feel good about what he does and he needs it to be important more than he needs anything. And he needs you to know how important he is. This is a desperation to buy into the idea that we have to listen to our betters and our betters are on network and cable news. That's what he's pushing. Horrifically and shamefully. And to use 9-11 as a way to say, see, I'm important. Is disgusting. And a real insult to the memory of thousands who lost their lives for doing nothing wrong. And that, Brian Stelter, is why the people don't trust media. And specifically, why they hate you. I'm Tony Katz.